Welcome back to another episode of the Impact Go Rush podcast, the podcast for impact entrepreneurs. This is the podcast that aims to amplify the voices of impact entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka the Sustainable Development Goals. Listen in to fellow entrepreneurs in their journey in this new goal rush of making a bigger impact. Get inspired to learn how through entrepreneurship you can grow your impact to make the world a better place, leave a legacy and live a more meaningful life. I'm your host, Wun Tan. In this episode, I've got Dan Watson of Safety Net Technologies and he's a James Dyson Award winner, one of the high-profile design engineering competitions. You might have heard of the term precision agriculture, but what he's working on is what he calls precision fishing and he's going to be talking about how he has gone about improving his luck coefficient and the importance of having co-founders. On top of that, he's going to be sharing his number one advice on being a better entrepreneur and it's got nothing to do with your business but everything to do with how you show up. So listen in to this episode before we jump into today's episode. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, we've had Kyron Goss of GoTiny.co. It's such a fascinating episode and he talks about the number one mistake that most impact entrepreneurs make when starting out. It's a super fun episode where he talks about the tiny house movement. So if you've not listened to that, that is episode number 10. Go check it out. Welcome to the show, Dan. Why should more entrepreneurs be impact driven and align themselves with the sustainable development goals? So I, great question. And thanks for having me, Rune. Um, the, I think the impact goals are really interesting and the, the development goals in particular, because these are identifying where there are massive problems in the world. And normally when there's a problem, there's an opportunity. And if it's a global problem, that means there's a massive opportunity, which if you're a business person looking for something to solve, then should really get you fired up and interested because the scalability of this thing and like the number of potential customers you have across all different levels of interesting areas like government or, or industry or even the sort of the population of the world um, should be really inspiring in terms of trying to solve it. Because if you get it right, then the opportunity for your market and your business is absolutely vast. And you're helping the planet, you're helping future society to to live better. You know, and, and one of the things that you do is that you, you're actually solving a particular pr- set of problems that are, that not many people are aware of, but also I think uh, the opportunity is absolutely massive. So could you Tell us a bit more about safety net technologies. What do you do and which uh, you know, development goals are you addressing? Absolutely. So yeah, you're right. So the, there's this phrase about uh, out of sight is out of mind. And the ocean, which is where we tend to work with our technology, um, is very much out of sight for a lot of people and therefore isn't always at the top of the priority list. And so we've heard about things like the, the Green Deal, the Green Revolution, Build Back Better. Um, and it always tends to be quite green focused. And there's this big element of blue, which is the largest part of our planet, which tends to be skipped. Um, and so the SDGs that we're working on are sort of their numbers 2, 8, 12 and 14. 14 is our primary focus. That's preserving life underwater um, and, and using it responsibly. And the way that we do that is that we help the commercial fishing sector to fish more sustainably, because at the moment, the way that fishing is done can be really unselective and unsustainable because you can catch the wrong types of fish, which means you can affect biodiversity, which has a big knock on effect for the ocean environment. Um, And we help fishing crews now catch more selectively and therefore it minimizes the impact that they have on the ocean space. And I know you've got an amazing piece of technology and I've known you uh, for for some time and we were sort of uh, based in the same co-working space for a while. you know, like you have something that is super, super fascinating. Could you share how it works and, you know, how, how did you actually got started? And I think people uh, are wondering, you know, what wh- what is safety net technologies? Yeah, thanks. So um, so we built a device called Pisces and this is a, 
a piece of technology that emits light in different wavelengths, so sort of colors, uh, different frequencies, sort of different um, flashing rates, um, different brightnesses. And this is based on the fact that different fish species and other animals that live in the ocean space will respond to light in very different ways. So some might be attracted towards it, some might be scared away or repelled, and others can just see different types of light that other ones can't. So when you're talking about fishing nets or catching fish in general, um, we have a, a large element of what we do is around how fish behavior happens, right? So, so what are the fish going to do if you show them this stimulus like light? So by putting Pisces into the nets in the right places, we can almost create like emergency escape signs for the species that we don't want to be there while still catching the species that we do want. That let's say the fishermen have license or quota to catch. So it's completely legal and it's in line of scientific practices. So we can help those other fish escape so that they're not caught by mistake during that fishing process. And we can keep feeding a large percentage of the world's population that relies on fish. Um, the, the story behind it is that it came from a scientific paper that was written by a guy up in Scotland who had a tank full of fish and one day had a flashlight with him and started shining this flashlight at the fish and saw that some fish would swim away from it and others were completely not bothered and others would swim towards it. So he wrote this up in a paper in the 1970s and put it in a library um, having published it. And then 40 years later, I came along to do a research project at my uh, university as an undergraduate and having looked through a bunch of different ways that fish could be affected to make them want to do anything really um, saw this light paper and thought it looked really interesting and how could we use this to solve what was emerging as a problem at the time which was around how fish were being caught non-selectively and unsustainably. I think a lot of people who are listening could have um, some idea or some sort of inkling that uh, they have they're sitting on something that has huge potential and you you've took this idea and and went from um i guess a, a sort of research paper into prototype into funding it and to sort of getting all sorts of grants and winning a lot of awards for uh, for this piece of um, technology so could you share your journey and you know what's what what's been i guess some of the highlights and and sort of uh, stumbling blocks that that you had to uh, come across so just as a quick break, if you're listening to this and you're enjoying this episode, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever app that you're using, so that you get new episodes every week. So I would also like to quickly mention the sponsor of this podcast. Well, there isn't one. There, the, This podcast is actually produced by Podcast Publishing, which is my business. At Podcast Publishing, we help impact entrepreneurs set up and launch your podcast for you who is listening here i would like to thank you because we have committed to for every episode that you're listening to we have been giving away the education to children with hearing impairment and so thank you very much for listening to this episode and helping us create a bigger impact and so now back to the conversation yeah, so it started really small. It really started this master's project. And I had one year to go and identify a problem, in this case, overfishing, and then look for a solution that in the first year, I could start to make a prototype and see how close I could get to outlining a solution. And so that was loads of research that was spending time on fishing vessels. It was talking to scientists, understanding what was out there in the fishing world that really was the problem and what was the cause of it. Um, and so for me, as a, as a mechanical engineering student, the big outcome was like, okay, I got to build some models that showed kind of what I wanted to do and show a body of research that supported this as an approach to solving something. So I finished that 
and went off to carry on my education at a different course. And then during that time, I won the James Dyson Award in 2012. So this has taken a while, by the way. This has taken about 10 years so far of, of my life. It's been quite a commitment. Um, but the, the James Dyson Award, what it did was it really just like massively blew up the whole thing, right? So these guys had amazing media connections. It got into The Guardian, The New York Times, a lot of other media outlets. And I would say that is like definitely one of the biggest things that I would suggest for anyone trying to solve a problem like this is just tell everyone you can what you're trying to do basically like through podcasts like this one which will go out to people who who are more aligned with what you're looking for to people who would never even thought that this is a problem that needs solving um, but actually probably have a part to play in it that they didn't realize that they could help with so this whole thing about raising your luck coefficient right so if you have an idea and you keep it to yourself then you know about it and that's great. And you can work 100% your entire life and only get so far. But if you raise your luck coefficient by telling loads of people about it, then the, the chance that someone hears about it who can actually open this big door for you that you've been struggling with um, in whatever area, whether it's money or access to vessels or access to knowledge or people, is massively raised. And so it, it hugely raises the chance that you're, you might be successful with this. So each step along the way with this project, what I've tried to do is raise that luck coefficient, like get as many people who are able to help as possible knowing about it. You know, um, one of the things that you are actively solving is addressing fishing and making it more sustainable. Like, what is the big impact that you're you're trying to have on this world? So, yeah, our goal is is really more encapsulated now by a term called precision fishing, which is a bit like precision agriculture, um, but in fishing. And it's not something that's really happened so far. And and it was coined really well by one of our um, customers the other day when they said, you're trying to take the guesswork out of fishing, which is true. Like a lot of the time things go into the water like nets and stuff and they pull stuff out and they don't necessarily know what's going to come out. And that makes it really hard to manage the, the ecosystem in the ocean. And so we're trying to remove that doubt so that we have an ocean that can thrive together with humanity, but continue to add food security to people's lives. Love that. Precision fishing. Never heard of that. Cool. Obviously, it's been a long journey for you. Like, what would you say uh, have been one of the biggest challenges for you? And, and how did you overcome it? So I think a big problem has been a lack of awareness around the ocean space in general. Um, I mentioned this before, but essentially, it is out of people's, many people's minds what happens in the ocean. Actually, it's, it's very underexplored as an area. We know more about the surface of the moon than we do about our own planet's ocean surface, uh, uh, seabed. And that's a big barrier. So things like investment funds, investors in general, they're not really looking at this area to invest in. It's very risky to most people because they don't know much about it. And so coming through this whole journey, having to win prizes and stuff to, to bootstrap the company to keep it going till the time when this education spread a, a little further has meant that we have now been able to raise a seed round of investment. We're looking to raise more money at the moment. And there are emerging investors now. There are people who are actually looking at this area to try and solve problems and they see that there's a return. But that wasn't always the case. And so actually trying to get people involved during this whole process has made a lot of work for a company that if we'd been working in another sector, it might not have been so much to do. You've been through this process uh, a number of times in terms of fundraising, right? So what's the one advice you'd give a budding entrepreneur who's going through this funding process and pitching and, you know, what, what would you say to them? I think one of the biggest things is just don't do it alone. <laughs> so um, I think having co-founders is such a brilliant thing because the ability to split out those responsibilities with people you trust. Um, also to pick each other up when it gets really hard. Uh, when you walk out of an investor meeting and they've just torn you to shreds because it can be very easy for someone to give you a lot of criticism if that's within their job. And then you walk out of there and if there's no one around to help you get through that, it can be incredibly difficult. I think the other piece of advice when you're like raising money is go in prepared. Like we did our first round 
and knew a little bit about investing, um, but made some really stupid mistakes that could have been avoided with a bit of mentorship and a bit of reading. Um, so yeah, a little bit of preparation will go a long way in those conversations with people. I love that. I mean, it, it really shows like entrepreneurship is all about like having a team and it's all about a teamwork activity. So Dan, any other advice you'd leave to our audience? Yeah, I, I, I usually, <laughs> so I usually have a list of like 11 things at the end of any presentation I give. I'm not going to do them all now. Um, but I think these are things that you pick up over your time doing this stuff, right? There's a couple of big ones, like the one about raising your luck coefficient is like, just tell people, because for some people opening particular doors is incredibly straightforward. And for you, it might seem impossible. And as part of that, it's being honest in terms of like what you're doing. So being honest with people, because if you really relate the actual challenges you're facing that may seem completely insurmountable to you, um, to someone else, they can be like, I've done this 50 times. Don't worry, we'll get you through this or whatever. But you have to tell them because if they don't know, then they're going to give you answers that don't match your actual need. So that's really difficult. But the really, really big one is if you're working in the impact space, you're already doing a bloody hard job. Like you, you're sacrificing potentially higher salary, higher income, whatever, to work in this space because you believe in something you're doing. And your drive is the thing that keeps that going in the early days. So the really, really important piece of advice is look after yourself. Like if you can't work on this because you're too tired or because you feel unloved or because you just, you just can't do it anymore, it's not going to go anywhere. Because you're probably the person who's got the idea, you're running with it, you're making this happen. You're the hustler, right? You're making this everything survive. And if you aren't looking after yourself and you don't have the energy to do that, the thing dies with you. And that means it never gets solved or it gets massively delayed. So look after yourself and make sure you're able to do the thing that you want to do. Awesome. For people who want to reach out to you, what's the best way to to, to, to get hold of you? You can get hold of me through Twitter. Um, there's lots of Dan Watsons, but I'm DNW1710. Uh, you can email me directly, like email through the website. Like honestly, happy to to chat with anyone who's in the impact space and doing stuff here. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time and sharing your expertise. Thanks, Wayne. It's been really fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Impact Go Rush. That was Dan Watson. We'd love to hear from you. What's been your biggest takeaway from this episode? So do drop us a comment on Facebook, LinkedIn or Instagram. I love to hear your feedback. We really appreciate that. And in the next episode, I'll be speaking with Kathleen Hamilton, who is the head of product at Genius U, where she'll be talking about the education tech platform for impact entrepreneurs. And as an experienced digital nomad, she shares her journey in helping entrepreneurs to be purposeful and how to embrace remote working as well as sharing her number one advice on starting out as an impact entrepreneur it's something that isn't obvious but where most people get stuck so tune in for next week's episode this is impact go rush my name is Wintan. thank you for listening